everyone. Welcome to the Cosmic Matrix podcast. I'm Laura Matsu, and I'm here with my partner, Bernhard Gunther. And this podcast is primarily about esoteric spirituality, psychology, self-work. If you're new to the podcast, we also have websites where we both write about these topics as well. And so this episode in particular is going to be about relationships and spiritual growth. So how can we um, not use relationships, but how can we have relationships in our lives that can contribute to our spiritual growth? And what does that even mean? And, uh, you know, talking about can we do spiritual work with who is to some, someone who isn't committed to doing the work as well? Um, also, the barriers to using relationships for spiritual work. Also, people who kind of try to enforce a con conscious relationship. But most importantly, we're also going to talk about the foundation of the relationship, which really we feel through our own experiences has to be centered around the divine. Otherwise, you tend to use the other partner as a source of your happiness. And as always on this podcast, we have a second hour available for the members of the Veil of the Reality Forum. And on that hour, we're going to get into deeper topics like healing trauma and relationships. We're also going to talk about our past before we met, including past relationships and important lessons we had to learn. And also occult forces is a really popular topic we talk about on this podcast quite often and how they can interfere in the relationships that want to be birthed onto this planet currently. So, um, to begin, let's just discuss it. Relationships as a path to spiritual growth. How can we use a relationship as a path to spiritual growth? Well, that, you know, it would probably imply what, what does spiritual growth mean, right? Spirituality, engaging in spiritual work. And, uh, you know, classic spiritual work is yoga. Yoga, and we're not talking about it as just a sauna practice or the, like a physical workout, but yoga meaning union with the divine. So spiritual, spiritual work to aspire to something higher, right? To source, to God, to the divine, to self-realize your true nature of being. And, you know, that also implies <clears throat> to clear our being, clear our vessel and heal our wounds and traumas for the divine force to anchor itself. And, you know, get out of the illusion of the ego personality, the illusion of separation, and, you know, and essentially even transcending duality and all of all of that. But this process is obviously very different or very unique to each individual. Right? Um, it's even unique to each individual within the relationship. So when we talk about spiritual work in context of the relationship, I think the first thing to talk about is how sincere is each person engaged in the work. Mm -hmm. themselves right and again what do you mean by spiritual work to really um you know use practices to pierce behind your ego personality and you know nowadays you know what comes to me with spiritual work it's just it's such a multi we're multi-dimensional being it's such a multidisciplinary approach Right, so because we don't want to fall into the trap of spiritual bypassing of just meditating or spiritual materialism or spiritual materialism, meaning in that uh, meaning to jump from teaching to teaching to just mm -hmm. look for the next high, right, mm -hmm. and whatnot. Yeah, um, but it implies, you know, also a lot of just basic um, psychotherapeutic work, psychological work, yeah. childhood uh, wounding work, shadow work, trauma work, and all of that to clear the vessel to come more in tune with our true essence, to connect to essence. That's basically what spiritual work is about. Yeah, and I find that for myself, um, it's basically rooted in a daily practice. So if it started out with me with yoga asana practice, which helped me get into my body and release some of the stuff that I was holding on to. And then it really evolved into more meditation practice. But then I've noticed, so... You could meditate. I feel as John Wellwood talks about this in his book, Psychology of Awakening, which we might have mentioned on another podcast, is that Westerners need a combination of both spiritual work and psychological work because we have all these issues that they didn't really, they don't really have in the East or even in South America where we work with shamans. Like we go down there with our complex psycholo psychological issues and we're like, oh, you just need to do more ayahuasca. I don't know what your problem is. Like you try and tell them about their your childhood trauma and they don't get it because we have a unique set of issues. And, and so what I've found, you know, what I look for at least when I'm working with people one-on-one -on -one is I know that they're committed if they have their 
committed to their daily spiritual practice, which by the way, can be anything doesn't necessarily have to be meditation. And we've got into that in other podcasts. I also feel some people aren't ready for meditation, but something, you know, maybe it's even just walking in nature. And then also what comes up in that practice of maybe, you know, you're constantly coming up against some of your own anger, your own fear, then finding out the source of that and working with it on a psychological level. So otherwise, I've noticed, I know, and I know because I was doing this for a long time, you could meditate over and over and be faced with the same problems over and over, and you don't really get anywhere. So you need to combine it with the spiritual work so you can have the practical tools for dealing with basically what comes up in your practice. Exactly. So now, what does it mean in context of a relationship, spiritual growth and relationship? Well, it means, you know, the question to be asked is what is the relationship based on? Or what is the intention of the relationship? So, you know, we all like humanity is very much influenced or conditioned or programmed by this very overly uh, romantic image of relationship. We see in Hollywood movies and there's just love and bliss and excitement and hot sex and just, you know... Um, just happiness and joy all the time and there are no issues and whatnot and both partner fulfill each other and they have the greatest time but you know it's a relationship a spiritual relationship also and based on growth entails that both people need to be committed to growth mm -hmm. and that's really the foundation to really like can i grow with this person that's the question to be asked can i really you know um open myself my up my vulnerability to show myself who i truly am without needing to pretend you know so much in, mm -hmm. in romantic relationships especially you see this when people first engage in a relationship both sexes whatever it may be they try to impress the other person yeah and mostly become very inauthentic in that sense right mm. and you know get distracted by the romantic feeling of of just emotional highs sexual highs and all of that and then later on usually the shadow comes up and then people you know see that as as the attraction fades that's okay i'm not in love with this person anymore it was the wrong decision so to speak we need to break up when mm -hmm. that is actually the right there there's actually an opportunity right and if you're with the right person meaning the right person meaning both people are committed to this growth right mm -hmm. and using the mirror the relationship as a mirror for their own stuff and growth also implies conflict so it also uh, you know what what it also implies so to speak is how we how we're dealing with conflict when these things come up because any growth also implies to get out of our comfort zone so again so going back to spirituality and conscious relationship or using relationships for spiritual growth the foundation uh, for both partners need to be that both are committed you know that sincerity committed to each other and committed to the growth yeah. of the relationship Yeah. And you see that a lot. Like, I don't, I'm sure you deal with, I mean, well, I know you deal with clients, you know, every day who, uh, we see them at a, the retreat as well. By the way, we have a couple of spots open for our retreat coming up. <laughs> um, but yeah, when one partner is committed to this growth and the other isn't, then what I feel it really comes down to, you know, um, what are what is that person who's in the relationship more committed to? Are they truly committed to growth? Are they truly committed to security? Because if you're not, if you're if you're truly committed to growth, and you're with someone who isn't also committed to growth, then if you choose them, ultimately you're choosing the security of the relationship, and you're not choosing growth. I feel, and that can be a very difficult choice to make as well, because you know we're in relationships for a really long time. We have attachments to these people you know and and ultimately it would take a lot of courage to let go of these safe relationships and step into the unknown but if we're really truly committed to grow sometimes you know there will come a point where we'll have to take that step and i and i see that time and time again you know with a lot of my friends and people i work with is that they're in a relationship with someone who isn't committed to growth and so all the work that they do is like It's almost like um, they're they're overcompensating for the work that their partner isn't doing. You know, they're holding the relationship together through the work that they do. Or another see thing I see is really common is a partner gets threatened by them changing and then mm. consciously or subconsciously 
tries to, it's almost like they're an agent Smith is, which is like an interference in their growth and tries to keep them down at their level. I know right. I've experienced that actually as well. Because it all comes down to when the relationship was formed, the first attraction, people got together. What is it based on? Hmm. Right. And most often what, what, you know, for the most part, when we get attracted to another person, there are a lot of unconscious drives that attract us to another person and why this other person is attracted to us, which we are not necessarily aware of at all. And most often what people think was actually a, a love, romantic attraction could actually relate it to wound bonding. Right? Yeah. It's like they're almost their pathologies match or their neurosis match, which is actually fine. There's nothing quote unquote wrong with it if you're aware of it and then can use that in the relationship as a catalyst to heal these issues that come up mm -hmm. naturally because you know you can you know you know from from a spiritual perspective actually it is even from the Gurdjieff work or Christian esoteric Christianity they talk about the fifth way the the way of the polar couple um, of how actually a conscious relationship and using a relationship as a catalyst for growth for spiritual growth can literally catalyze. Um, each individual's uh, spiritual development because uh, you know way more comes up in an intimate relationship obviously but again going back what is the relationship based on and like you shared i've also worked with many people you know especially in this day and age in the relationship one partner is quote-unquote waking up right and starting engaging in the work and learning and working on themselves but the other person is not mm -hmm. right and so many times people ask me then now, what can I do to make him or her also engage in the work? And then these unhealthy dynamics happen and also this misplaced hope. Like, mm. oh, sometimes in the future I think he will get it and then or she will get it. And, you know, I just, you know, he's a nice guy. You know, it's like it's putting up with a lot of excuses, right? Yeah. And I'm not saying that people might not change, but you need to be very careful of esoteric laws, spiritual laws that you cannot give until it's asked for. You know, if somebody wants to stay asleep, not do the work, you need to respect that free will of the person, mm -hmm. respect the ignorance. You cannot make people do anything. If you do it and people do it just because you say so over time, that will come back around, build resentment. And it's not based on, on true sincerity, right? Exactly. I mean, I've had sometimes people, uh, couples uh, booking sessions for me coming with me where one partner was literally dragging the other person here mm. <laughs> to do a session, mm. right? And even like, working on HK session or uh, holographic kinetics and, and, or just doing, you know, couple therapy, but the other person really didn't want to be here. And I, even a moment, you know, I need to also honor my own integrity and understanding that I can only help people so much as they're willing to help themselves. Right. So even in the instances I was even saying, you know what, we cannot work. You dragged him here. He wasn't here out of his own free will, hmm. right? So it's very limited. I understand the well-meaning intention, but we need to look at the dynamic of the relationship in itself. What is it really based on? What's going on here, right? So again, really, in order to use a relationship for spiritual growth, both people need to be 100% committed to the relationship and to the growth and to their own individual process. Yeah, and like... I feel a lot of the reasons why people stay in these relationships and try to make them work is because first of all, they don't realize there's like what billions of people on the planet now, like you could easily find another relationship if you really want to, but the, it's the attachment that they're afraid to let go of. So they would rather work with what's what they have now, even if it's broken, than try and step into the unknown and work on themselves. And I've noticed, you know, um, if we're if you do enough self work and you're I truly believe this and you're in an unhealthy relationship, then there will come a point where it will get way too painful to be in that relationship. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. So um so that's the thing, is like instead of trying to force your partner to get into stuff, work on yourself and then see where that takes you. I think that's a really important lesson for people because because it's very common. I mean, you and I still do it sometimes, just blame the other person, you know, for whatever it is you're feeling or experiencing. But until we're capable of constantly turning the mirror on ourselves, then we're also not committed to our own growth. That's the truth. It's like, it's really, and it's so easy to blame your partner because they're going to obviously remind you of all your unresolved issues with your parents and it's going to trigger you and it's going to be your sore spots. But you know, when we're trying to force the work on the other person, to me, that sounds, again, like trying to make them responsible for what we're experiencing. When we worked on our own experience, eventually, we would, we would, it would become, 
it would become very apparent that we either weren't meant to be with that person or maybe we'd realize we were projecting on them. The latter is much more rare from what I've seen, but I've noticed that um, if you really work on your level of being, and this is uh, includes friendships too, not just romantic relationships, is that it will get way to, you will not enjoy being around people who you used to be enjoy being around uh, before because your level of being will change. You won't be able to relate to them in the same way. Exactly. So on that note also, you know, some relationships can be worked on, worked out, right? But again, the necessity is both people are truly committed. Yeah. And then you, you go out of beyond the ego personality, beyond the entitlement, beyond victim and blame and taking full self-responsibility. And then, like I said, this can be amazing catalysts uh, to elevate both on the high level of being and elevate the connection and actually experience deeper um, levels of love, higher levels of love, because most often the quote-unquote love people experience in what I would call matrix relationships is very a vital kind of love, very conditional, yeah. most like built on just, uh, you know, just passion, enjoyments, and not a deeper spiritual connection and you psychic brought, connection and you brought up a really good point in the beginning when people first meet each other they put on this facade and then it all breaks apart which also indicates that if you're still getting into relationships from a false self you haven't met your true self yet because mm. like and that's a really important thing is i feel i mean if you're single and you're listening to this that's one thing to develop is your relation like, can you show up in the world and be authentically you and be unafraid of being that person you know what i mean and 95 yeah. of the people who i personally see in the world it's not the case so it's like how can you enter into a true relationship if you don't even have a connection to your true self it's not even possible you know exactly let's on that note let's actually define what does it mean to be truly authentic because i think there can be some confusion because mm -hmm. some people can i feel even abuse the word i'm just being authentic by acting out their neurotic ego stuff mm -hmm. <laughs> right of yeah. just being an asshole basically it's like all, they think that it's being authentic is like letting their wounded inner child run the show exactly. in an egotistical way yeah, yeah yeah exactly but being authentic means being aware of the inner wounded child mm -hmm. having that vulnerability your feelings your emotions your inner life yeah right to and um in acting you know and let that be authentic influence your authentic self without pretending to be anybody else yeah. right and it also implies you know most of us build an inauthentic fake personality because we're very concerned what other people think of us we compare ourselves mm -hmm. social image we don't want to look weak in front of other people so we're stuck you know we suppress a lot of stuff and that makes us over time in very inauthentic so authenticity is more also being in touch with your vulnerability your wounded self being aware right and also on a deeper level with your true essence that mm -hmm. shines through of just, you know, not pretending, basically. Yeah, and you get in touch with your true essence by, um, what's his name? I.H. Almas talks about essence in in relation to holes. So anytime we develop a hole in our essence, we fill it with a false personality self. And that hole is made out of all our childhood traumas and wounds. So in order to actually retrieve more of your essence, you have to work on these basic childhood wounds that you have in sometimes past lives, but definitely start with the childhood wounds first before you get into the past lives. But that's how you become your true self. So as you can see, you know, it's easy to say, just be your true self. But in order to actually retrieve the true self that's another story so um we just want to talk about also a little bit this true tantric relationship because this neo-tantra movement has made has i feel like has very distorted tantra and the true tantric relationship is one person and it takes commitment to that relationship and a foundation in spiritual practice. And that's it. So these like neo tantra groups where it's like engaging as many people as possible. If you don't engage with this person, you have blockages. For me personally, I don't believe in that. It's not for me. Maybe it works for some people, but I feel one, one person is enough for me to learn from. And also the reason this is so is so that you can develop that depth and intimacy and go really deep with people, with a person. And the reason has to have the foundation in a spiritual practice, i.e. a meditative practice, is so that you can both be clear mirrors for each other. So I feel that, you know, 
when we get involved with someone, it really needs to be, if we want to use a relationship for spiritual growth, yeah, we could get in polyamorous relationships, but I haven't personally seen that work out for people. It needs to be one person. And we need to also both have our own spiritual practice so that we can serve as clear mirrors for each other. Yeah, let's even talk about real quick define tantra or tantric relationship because the worst thing that happened in the West that literally tantra is being is associated with sex, sexual energy. Yeah. Like it's almost it became a synonym. Right, similar like with shamanism equals ayahuasca medicine plants. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's like a very small fraction of of shamanism, and even <clears throat> ancient shamanism, there was no medicine plants whatsoever. It's it's a way of life. So same with tantra. You know, it's not about finding sexual bliss or using orgasms to come closer to God or engage in sex magic. You know, a lot of that is based on actually a distortion or spiritualizing a lot of lower vital uh, desires and all of that. Um, so anyway, there has been just a lot of distortion. But what is what is a true tantric relationship? A true tantric relationship is like a devo deep devotion, yeah. like deep commitment, deep devotion, and a foundation. And I mean, I'm actually not initiated in any tantric tradition, but this is what I've learned from my teacher, Regji Ray, who he does teach true tantric relationships. And he talks about the tantric consort. So the tantric consort is like exactly the person who you're going to learn from the most. And they're also going to be the person who's going to trigger you the most. That's the, that's, that's the, but see, then we're going to watch out because this could also be distorted by people. It's like, oh, this abusive guy is triggering me. He must be my tantric consort. Totally not true. You both need to be committed to the relationship and be committed to your spiritual practice. And as a foundation in spiritual practices, like they, uh, a practice that Reggie Ray teaches is called beholding the beloved, where, you know, it has nothing to do with sex, it's just gazing at the other person's eyes for 11 or 31 minutes, or I think he says doing it in 20 minutes. And so, you know, if you, if you can do that with your partner, then you really get to witness them and you get to really see who they really are. And through seeing who they really are, you understand who you really are. Yeah. I think we should also mention in that context when we talk about, you know, both partners need to be committed and the growth and on all levels, you know, because we need to work on our basic psychology, childhood wounding and shadows and all of that in order to connect more with our spiritual self, our higher self, our essence and, and centered around the divine and all of that. But with regards to quote unquote, people might ask like, well, there, I can find a partner like this and all of that, you know, there's nobody out there. But we also need to understand that whoever is in our lives, you know, whatever relationship we have been to or in, you know, there's a reason why they're in our lives, why we attracted them or we were attracted to them. Yeah. Right. So any relationship in our lives also gauge, so to speak, as a mirror for where we are at. Exactly. And even our level of being, but without judgment, it's just it's just the way it is. Because you really need to get out of the blame. Mm -hmm. The blame. Too many people still like You know, if you, many, many people, myself included, you get involved with a very pathological partner, narcissist, whatever, borderline, whatever label you may get sociopath, there's a reason why you attracted this person in life and why you actually was first attracted to them. And most of it is unconscious, very unconscious based on trauma, childhood wounds, whatever, right? So it is taking that responsibility without um, blaming yourself, obviously, but taking responsibility and see like... There's, a, there's, there's, you know, something to be learned from because all this are lessons in relationship as well. Yeah. And I don't think that for, for my own experience, the more that you're blaming the partners outside of you, the more work that you have to do. And this is what I did actually before we met, because I, I mean, I had, if you know anything about astrology, I had Pluto transiting my seventh house and I still had it transiting my seventh house for, and this is a long transit because Pluto is a slow moving planet. So for years I was attracting you know, karmic relationships that were mostly chaotic and filled with my own unconscious shit. So every time I met a partner that I had some, you know, so say if I met someone who was um, really emotionally unavailable, I had to check myself. It's like, how emotionally available am I? Am I really ready for that relationship? And turn the mirror back on myself because, and I think we've talked about this on a couple podcasts at least, but I see so often it's like, yeah, you know, I got involved with a narcissist or a sociopath, you know, but less, there's doesn't seem to me much conversation about what it was in that person that attracted them to that relationship. It seems very like blame focused. Also, another thing I saw the other day um, was like a post on Facebook. It was like, what did it say? It was sociopaths and psychopaths taught me more about my spiritual growth and I could learn alone. And I was like, 
This is really important to note that any anything that you learn from a relationship with a narcissist or a sociopath was you learning it. It wasn't them teaching it to you. If they were teaching it to you, it was completely unconscious. So I feel like we give credit where it's not due when we say those kinds of things. You know, and they, they didn't mean to, if you were really in a relationship with a sociopath or a psychopath, they certainly did not mean to teach you a lesson for your spiritual growth. They tried to probably destroy you and your self-esteem based on your own wounding. So, you know, I see this a pattern a lot. It's like we kind of need to go, I I don't know what it is, but people maybe because it's more sensitive or empathic, but people on this spiritual path seem to be all always have this initiation process, not always, but often where they date a sociopath or a narcissist. And then the next stage is to break out of this stage where they're constantly talking about narcissists and sociopaths and whatnot, and then also turn the mirror on themselves and look at where they were wounded and then just let it go to like move on with your life. Why do you need to keep talking about it as well? Yeah, yeah. Because I think it really ties into, you know, the self-responsibility as well, which is a really important aspect for spiritual bros is taking complete self-responsibility for what you have control of in the present moment. So if you're in a relationship that's very abusive, you need to take self-responsibility and not take self-responsibility for them abusing you. That's what they're doing. But look at how, what is it in you that feels that this is a safe relationship? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, and okay, so if you do choose the wrong partner, what to do? I think we mentioned that at the beginning of the podcast. So I feel at this point you have to make a choice. Are you committed to growth? Are you committed to the security of the relationship? Like, are you going to be committed to being authentic to how you're truly feeling? Or are you going to be committed to your attachment? And those are the difficult choices that we have to make because um, I really want to touch on this is a person that you choose as a partner is going to be the most important influence in your life. They're going to affect you in every single way that they can affect another person, especially when you're engaging sexually, you start taking on all sorts of energies from them. So this is really you're asking, you're, you're, you're choosing someone to be attached to yeah. you in can, so many ways. Yeah. Exactly. I just want to check very important. I mean, that's also to talk about this, but people don't understand for the most part. And I didn't either myself in the past, very ignorant because we hadn't really educated at all about the power of sexual energy and the bonding that happened. You know, there's no such thing as causal, casual sex. It doesn't exist. And, you know, whenever you have sex with somebody, even repeatedly, your auras, everything gets intermixed, your emotions, all of that on an etheric level, right? You literally take on parts of your partner more and more. That's why you become more sensitive to each other, even tune into it, each other more emotionally, psychically. So it's a very, very sacred act, right? And you can also take on stuff, you know, from your partner that he or she may be dealing with, you know? Uh, I mean can tie into occult uh, topics and entities and whatnot, but it is really, really, you know, you know, again, what is the relationship based on? Because too many people in this day and age, they engage sexually way too quick. And when getting together with a person, even being in a relation, quote unquote, dating, right? Um, without really knowing the person whatsoever, you know? Mm -hmm. So if you really, a spiritual relationship based on, you know, it cannot be based on a sex, just on sexual connection alone. And that's what most quote unquote matrix relationships are based on. It's like the sexual attraction of people. If, if that's not happening anymore, they don't have sex, then it's like, Oh my God, this, you know, they look for the next person where they can get that rush. But I don't want to again divert too much from what you just said. I just want to em emphasize how, um, sex is just in a very much of a sacred act and essentially in in a spiritual relationship it's even going beyond the sexual act itself right and transmuting the sexual energy to to a higher more refined expression which expresses itself even beyond the act itself yeah yeah and i think you kind of touched on something important as somebody who gets goes from relationship to relationship is usually an avoidant attachment uh pattern so avoiding attachment is someone who um tends to i mean simply avoid relationships but it's not necessarily true they avoid 
commitment and intimacy in relationships. So they get into relationships and then once it actually becomes committed, then they move on to the next partner. And then anxious people are the type of person who's like always waiting for a text back and, you know, constantly in their head about it. And anytime the person pulls away, the avoidant person tends to pull away a lot. The anxious person gets drawn closer. So even understanding what a secure, like this was a huge lesson for me is understanding what a secure relationship looked like. And then when I met people, and by the way, majority of people in the dating market are actually going to be anxious or avoidant. That's why they're not secure. People who have secure attachment tend to get into relationships and stay in relationships. So the majority of the people out there are actually not, um, don't have healthy attachment patterns. That's why people are like, oh, there's no one out there or whatever, because they're rare. Because you also have to develop that, that within yourself as well. So I feel... Just even learning, this is goes back into what we we're talking about, how basic psychology is so important. Learning what a secure relationship looks like is so important and a safe relationship because the thing that makes a relationship safe is someone who can calm your nervous system, who doesn't agitate your nervous system, doesn't put you into fight or flight. Because if you're living in an environment with someone who you feel like tense around, then that's just going to make you sick over time. Your, your nervous system is going to get shot. And that's also not going to help your own spiritual growth. And this is kind of leads into this idea, the safe relationship will help regulate you. And then you know, the way that I see it is that we need to have some kind of baseline of security and c calmness in our lives in order to grow spiritually. If we're in fight or flight survival mode, then we don't really have access to this higher knowledge and higher centers. So choosing the right partner who has some sort of secure uh, attachment and also you know, has some understanding on their own being and nervous system and how they respond to events in their lives is really important because this is someone whose nervous system we're going to be attuned to, especially if we're living together. Yeah. You know, it reminds me of like in terms of choosing the right partner, right? Because we, as I said before, most of, most people, most of us, it's an unconscious choice based on unconscious attraction. And most often we also choose a partner you know, because of this romantic attraction, which, you know, gets our heart pumping and we think of the person all the time, we get excited in this, these emotional projections. That's how we, it's, it's almost an unconscious choice. That's almost the, the biology working. Yeah. Right. And I remember, I don't know if there was Gurdjieff or H. Almas talking about it in terms of a um, relationship in an esoteric quote unquote context. You know, the more you are, connected to your true self, the more you have here within yourself or aware, um, you know, when you have a true attraction to somebody of somebody is actually a good match for, you know, where essence would match and not the personality, oh, you know that? That was Gurdjieff, I Gurdjieff, think. Yeah. exactly. Then um, there's actually less of an, this romantic attraction, less of that excitement. There's just a sober recognition. Yeah, romantic, that feeling that kind of like heightened romantic attraction where suddenly this person comes in your life and you think that all of your problems are solved is actually a huge red flag. Because that shows that exactly. your childhood wounding, your inner child is like, oh my God, someone's coming along and they're going to heal everything my parents exactly. did, that's, did to me. Exactly, that's the irony. The more you have this this romantic louche almost, so to speak, or uh, um, experience of emotional high when meeting a person, uh, the more, uh, even from a basic Jungian uh, perspective, the more there is shadow projection involved, mm -hmm. right? The most projections are activated. Yeah, and that's not necessarily the case that if you meet someone and there's romantic projections, don't get involved with them. I just noticed with our own relationship, I had to let those romantic projections almost burn themselves out and see what they were made of so I could really get to know who you really were. Yeah, that's a good point. It's not, yeah, because... Most most experiences as well, but it's just being aware of it, and with both partners aware of it, yeah. then again, you can use that as a catalyst for growth mm -hmm. for both of them. Exactly, because you, you know, can work through those projections. Because you, you work through them, you own them, you take them back, and that entails also when you talk about choosing a partner. You know, we mentioned before both pe people are hundred percent committed to growth, but it also implies that each person needs to have a basic level of understanding. If you, especially in this day and age, if you want to be in a conscious relationship spiritual growth and and have all you know this 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 conscious love so to speak you need to be aware of basic relationship psychology mm -hmm. basic how your old childhood stuff will, will you know be projected into a relationship 
like these basics, you know, uh, psychological laws, so to speak. Yeah. You know, I feel in anybody who is sincerely on the path towards quote unquote awakening, working on themselves, you know, uh, psychologically, spiritually, emotionally, all levels, then naturally you will learn more about this and become more aware of it. So if you really, you know, people always ask, where can I find this conscious partner? I see, well, you need to become that yourself. Yeah. You know, the more you're sincere within yourself, apply the work, change and through that inner work, change your level of being, change your quote unquote frequency, then you will also attract more of that match naturally without needing to look for it. Yeah, when we're looking for this perfect relationship, we need to also look at what we bring to the table as well. And I did this, and I think I, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier in the podcast, but every time I met someone who didn't have a quality that I was looking for, I turned the mirror back on myself and I was like, do I have that quality with myself? Mm. And then I read, you know, I researched, I also had to just apply things. Sometimes it, it's really simple, just reading something and applying it to your life is difficult and and um, awkward it can be at first is really important. So if we learn, you know, what uh, avoidant attachment looks like and identify in, in an environment, we can also make that conscious choice in the moment and be like, I'm not going to get involved with people who have these attachment patterns. And so that's also comes down to our sincerity and taking full self-responsibility for the people that we're attracted to. And I think it's instead of just getting into relationships because we're attracted to someone i think this is also an aspect of spiritual growth is more getting curious about why we're attracted to that person and kind of unpacking it in our mind and our being as well before we dive into it because i see so many people they're like oh i'm attracted i felt love from them first of all if you're making someone the source of love that you feel it shows that you're disconnected from that love within yourself. So if you can only feel love when you're in a relationship, that also shows that you're disconnected from love. So you're looking for someone as a source of all that. So it's like any other addictive pattern, like Gabor Mate talks about, you know, addiction as a way, like, so we make addiction, whatever we're addicted to, the source of some part of our essence that we've lost. So a lot of people, if they're looking for a relationship for security or safety, then at some point in their life, they lost that sense of security within themselves. If they're looking for a relationship for attention or love, then at some point in their life, they lost this attention and love for themselves. So anytime we're specifically, we need a partner in order to feel these qualities actually just points to what we're missing within ourselves. Yeah. And that's exactly. And that's almost the, almost the, the opposite offers of a relationship with the spiritual foundation. When you make your partner the source for your happiness and fulfillment. Yeah. Hence, a spiritual relationship for spiritual growth, what we mentioned before, also at the beginning, needs to have its foundation uh, on on the divine, mm -hmm. right? And it needs to be grounded, established in the divine, in God, whatever name you want to give that higher force and each partner's individual relationship to the divine. That's the most important relationship because yeah. once you have this relationship to the divine, which means your relationship to essence, to your true self, then... Nobody in the outside world, including your partner, um, can take that away, can take away your own uh, fulfillment, your own joy, your own happiness. Yeah. It doesn't depend on it. You know, it doesn't mean that you don't, you know, a partner can augment that and help you and f make you feel more alive, but you don't depend on that. Yeah. Hence, it becomes more mature, more conscious, and then using each other. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I see it more each partner, when they enter this kind of relationship, they become channels for that love. And then it's almost like your partner just becomes like a beautiful person who you can express that love that you feel for the divine to them. Does that make sense? Yeah. So instead of looking, and it's more about giving, I've noticed. It's more about giving that love. A lot of us are looking to get into relationships to receive love and a validation. But from what I've experienced, when you're connected to your true self, it's more about being able to give that love because you have so much overflowing in Unconditional you. Unconditional as well. Yeah, exactly. I know... So before before we met, I remember feeling just pure, especially spending so much time in nature. I was living 
very secluded and I would just feel like pure love for like the plants and the animals and also everyone around me and I knew that I was just channeling something higher so anyone who arrived in my life and this also leads into being discerning I could see qualities that I liked in them you know and I think that's also a really good indication that we are connected to our true self instead of seeing differences in another person we can see one part of them that we see a similarity with and we start literally seeing the world through God's eye And so the more that we're looking at partners and there's a difference between like discernment and being like too critical. It's like, oh, I don't want to be with them because of this and this and this and this. And we're kind of constantly criticizing other people. That's also shows yeah, because your... yeah, exactly. Can I say it or something? Yeah, on yeah. That? Because that's also like, you know, people say it's, it's kind of tricky that topic in the sense because you know you have every when you have certain standards right and you have deal breakers yeah but some of these standards is based on like having this image of a dream partner mm-hmm. right and i remember like there's uh this uh, there's an excellent book out there which i've uh, quoted uh, from before in my articles i can highly recommend this book it's called how to be an adult in relationships by david rico and in this book he says uh something i'm paraphrasing him uh He says, as long as you're looking for a dream partner, you know, as long as you have an image of a dream partner, it's an indication to do work, to have to do some serious work on yourself. Yeah. Right? Because you're projecting some ideal out outside yourself of yeah. something that may fulfill you. Mm. Right. And those positive projections, even though maybe at first we get off on the high of them, they're actually a disservice to the person that's in front of you and you're trying to get to know because you're overlaying this godlike, you know, you're putting them on this pedestal instead of getting to know who they really are. And for me, true love is not some perfect person. It's being able to love someone, you know, through their challenges and through the things that they're trying to work on. That's also how you support each other's spiritual growth. And the more that you expect your partner to be perfect, the more you're also don't understand what it means to truly spiritual grow. Because it's also through your imperfections that you really, I mean, paradoxically start to understand your own perfection. Yeah, and that's that's a good point of positive shadow projection because it happens, you literally, and positive shadow projection combined with not having a spiritual foundation, not a personal, your own spiritual practice in or relationship to the divine, you make the partner into the image of God, like, which yeah. is supposed to fill everything, This putting the partner on the pedestal, like, feeling all these amazing things for him or her, but then sooner or later, it will all crumble. Right, mm-hmm. the house of cards will topple. The illusion will topple. It's all just based on projection. Then usually, something it turns the opposite. It turns a negative shadow projection, and the so-called love turns into resentment and hate and all of that. And now, ironically, we've even experienced it in in our work. Some people also positively project on us positive shadow projection, right? And then we do say something which triggers people, and then it turns around and we get projected on negatively, mm-hmm. right? That happens in everyday life as well but it's really important on important to being aware of of shadow projection pose yeah. you know not just negative but positive yeah and that kind of leads also when we have these like high um, high emotions when we're getting in relationships it also also proves that our addiction might be in relationships because if we if we see a relationship as being a sense of like euphoria and all of the qualities that we look for in drugs and usually our addictions are relationships and so there's two types of people usually people who are addicted to relationships and who are overly relationship phobic Mm. and sometimes there's people who need to take time alone and just build the container around themselves and be alone but sometimes we're using it as a way to strengthen our denial because we can't really see ourselves until we see ourselves and how other people respond to us. So through the mirror of a relationship. So we don't really understand ourselves unless we have people around to mirror us, you know, either consciously or subconsciously. So people who tend to be relationship phobic, I also feel going back to the title is like, are you truly committed to spiritual growth? Because that's when you really get to Mm -hmm. know what kind of person you are is when you show up in relationship and you start learning through the mirror of relationship and how other people are responding to you as well. So, you know, the, the relationship addiction and relationship phobia are almost like two sides of the same coin. Like one person... They're they're both they're both in denial and and they're both also avoiding true intimacy because they're just addicted to the chemicals and to the rush. They, 
Exactly, which also just proves that they don't have the connection to the divine and, you know, to life force within themselves and they need the relationship. Or addicted, yeah, people who addict to relationship, jumping from relationship to relationship is also avoidance to facing themselves. Yeah. And essentially. But ironically, that's also the case for people who are relationship phobic. You know, we're also endlessly waiting because, and they, I've, I've noticed people who are relationship phobic or also, in a sense, neurotically always a bit in victim and self-pity they can't find the right person and mm. there's no one and even no one out there and even sometimes it turns into like even what's coming through unconsciously con- con- or consciously some really like resentment for the opposite sex yeah right and yeah. i have to say generally speaking i see this especially with women nowadays mm-hmm. you know all men suck you know there's nobody out there anyway i'm going to be just single for rest, and even take pride in that mm-hmm. you know but it's like a e- wounded ego response actually yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's, that's another thing. I mean, I had to work through that personally is because I had, you know, like issues with my own father and masculine figures in my life. And you have to have a healthy relationship also, not only with your own, uh, with masculine people in your life, if you're a woman or if you're, you know, gay is obviously it's going to be different, but whoever the sex is that you're attracted to and the essence within them, you need to have a healthy relationship with that within yourself. And also because on a basic level, it's like working through all your past relationships, I feel is a really good, you know, I meet so many people who are like, oh, I'm ready for a conscious relationship, but my ex is such a dick or whatever, <laughs> you know, and they haven't really cleared out the karma, I guess you could say, of their past relationships. And they just want to get into another relationship because they just need to almost fill that hole within them, you know. So anytime you have any, you know, of course, maybe your relationships in the past weren't perfect and you probably don't want to be a part of some of their lives. That's one thing. But if you're holding any resentment towards them, that's also a sign that there's more healing work to do because whatever resentment you're also projecting on past partner, I guarantee you most nine times out of 10 has to do with your early childhood and more stuff to look at there as well. So it also kind of leads into both partners have this foundation in self-work before they get into a relationship because this is like the toolbox that you arrive to the relationship with. So if you arrive to a relationship without, for instance, understanding positive shadow projection and shadow projection, then you're going to just get into the relationship in chaos and also just a basic self-understanding. So self-reflection, self-inquiry. So someone, you know, learning how to work with triggers and also, you know, um, learning how to work with what comes up in the relationship because everything what I've noticed is yeah you can learn a lot of new skills when you're in a relationship but each partner brings their own toolbox to the relationship so you have to look at like the tools you have for managing especially difficulties in a relationship when you arrive to the relationship and you can even test this out before you meet someone and when you're single because you can apply these tools to any relationship in your life not just a romantic relationship as well and that really will help the other partner too because you know it's especially when conflict happens when triggers come up like that's when you're going to get into your wounded child self and all your stuff is going to get activated and I guarantee you especially if a relationship if you're going into relationship for spiritual growth these are the things that have to come up as well so these tools that you have are going to be the saving grace in your relationship literally because this is the stuff, if you don't deal with it as it comes up and do what they call um, relationship uh, psychology, like a proper repair, meaning you, um, this is also an important aspect of using relationships to spiritual growth. So after a conflict happens, you're able to repair with the person, like truly repair the conflict, not push it under a rug, not let time heal it, but truly repair and find where the misunderstanding was, reconnect, find a way to repair the bond. Because, and this is what your tools are going to be able to provide you with, because what I see in in my relationships and a lot of relationships is these little resentments that build up over time. Mm. It's like, it it just, it creates this backlog. And then every single fight is like a compilation of all the fights from the past. And then eventually that gets to a breaking point. So these tools and ability to repair after conflict are so important. Yeah. I've also noticed that and the more you're actually sincere in that process as individuals, the more heightened these issues will come, so the less you're able to hide from each other. Yeah. Because the higher level you're being, the less you're able to lie to yourself, the less you're able to suppress, the more every little thing comes apparent as a, as a way to confront and transmute. 
right, to a higher level of being. And there's also, you know, as a foundation of, of the, the spiritual foundation beyond, besides having this connection to the divine and God. And people, listeners may ask you, what is divine God? What do you mean by that relationship? Well, <clears throat> that's something for you to contemplate. And we actually had a podcast uh, episode recently on that topic called what is your relationship to the divine mm -hmm. and i encourage anybody who hasn't listened to that uh, to check that out um but it also implies that you know there needs to be like we mentioned at the beginning both very committed to the growth having this foundation and having this collinearity you know there's a saying love is from the little prince i think or the author of the little prince love is not about looking into each other's eyes but looking into the same direction right and that's what an evolutionary love relationship with the foundation and divine is also about it's not about escaping into this private sphere of our pleasure and just enjoyment for a couple right in this romantic bliss bubble but you know doing the greater work here right and it collinearity doesn't mean that both persons are the same they have their own individual but the same aim right And also doing the greater work for the collective. There's something bigger that's not, that relationship is not an escape from the world, right? Yeah. But helps to engage more in the world and helps to inspire each other in terms of their vocation, the work each of them or together are doing out in the world. Yeah. And that's also brings us back to what you mentioned earlier in the podcast about the safe relationship. Like if you have, I even notice when, you know, because we've been doing long distance for a while up until now, basically. And every time that I am around you, my nervous system relaxes and it allows higher levels of creativity, higher levels of work to occur. And so that's the gift that we have to provide the world. If you think about it too, I'm sure people did this, but if you wanted to do meditation somewhere in nature, you know, people did it. But if you had people around to watch you and watch your back, you could progress further on the spiritual mm -hmm. path because you would feel that safety and security of your community. And I feel also as well, you know, if we had the safety of a relationship, it allows this higher this higher wisdom and higher path to open up for us because we're not just focused on this basic survival and acting out you know the karma of our ancestors over and over again there's so many patterns that are i feel we need to break a lot of our ancestral patterns you know many of us right now because the relationship that we're trying to create on this planet right um currently i feel especially people who are involved in spiritual work I don't feel has existed and has a possibility to have existed any time before in history, because even yeah. if you look at your grandparents, my grandparents, I know, you know, it was mostly security. My grandmother, very young, knew she needed to have a man in order to even own property back then, most likely. So it was basically security based. And, you know, so that was the foundation of the relationship and the emotional compatibility was not there. And then... This also, we're going to get more into this in the second hour of the podcast, but in, uh, before we met, someone told me that I needed to meet someone who I connected with on all levels. So that was emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and physically. And so all of those four factors in the past in relationships weren't possible because it was mostly survival based. And if it's not, and, and now what I've noticed in people is because their ancestors were so survival-based in choosing partners, all of their pathologies and all of their wounds also carried over, even though in this present moment, it's not the case anymore. So, you know, it's with, with all the issues that I've seen with projection and feminism, feminism has also equalized things a little bit. Like now women can own property, they can own, they, they don't have to get into a relationship purely for survival, but that psychology is still there. So you still have people getting into relationships with a sense of codependency. And I think that's like in my experience, you know, that needs to be completely abolished, basically, the codependency, because it's like yeah. interdependency. It's like, I support you, you support me, but we can also be individuals as well. Yeah, exactly. That's what a, yeah, I experience in our relationship as well. It's not, there's a safety, but it's not that I, you know, we depend on each other and there's like, you know, uh, yeah, this, this codependency, which, um, you know, I've definitely experienced in, in past relationships. And I also like on that note, you know, <clears throat> even like when I look back 10, 15 years ago, you know, we all want this perfect relationship, the ideal partner. But I'm looking back, I wasn't even close look uh, ready to be in the relationship i am in with you now like even though i thought i wanted that you know what i mean like i can see how i was just completely like projecting and not seeing myself clearly very immature 
in that sense, you know? Um, so, but, you know, I can see with our relationship, you know, I think, yeah, let's, since we're at the end of the, the first hour, let's talk about more of our own personal experiences. Yeah. In the second in the hour. second hour. Exactly. And I just want to also note, you know, I'm sure anyone who's listening to this is also you interested in relationships and spiritual growth is you also can't force a conscious relationship. Oh, no. So I see that so often. It's like, oh, this is what a conscious man looks like. This is what a conscious woman looks like. And then people try and emulate themselves to be that. And then they try and like, it's almost like this uh, facade of like forcing a conscious relationship. And you have so many people who... In what was these, these, these articles were out there going around for a while? What a conscious woman wants in a relationship exactly. or a conscious man exactly. should do in the relationship. These are like, it's a very, dis that doesn't even make sense. Yeah. The titles already. Yeah, right? but anytime you're also trying to force something also is an indicator that something's not quite right. Because I know, and we're going to lead into this in the second hour, is that somewhat uh, paradoxically before you get into a relationship, you also have to give up this idea of having a relationship. So, you know, except if you're truly the divine is the most important relationship in your life, you also have to give it up to the divine is and ask is relationship part of my own soul purpose and part of my own growth. And for some people it may not be. And that doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with them. It just means that, and it also means that you will actually find true happiness in not being in a relationship. So we have to, in order to give, uh, to give our life and surrender, up to the divine we also have to give up the relationship because anytime we still feel that desperation for a relationship it also means that there's something missing within us and means we haven't truly surrendered yeah, as well which go, it goes back to what, what people are truly looking when they're looking at, desperately for their partner some fulfillment outside themselves a relationship is actually looking for god for their own essence for the true selves right so again it goes back to that foundation You know, and I know for myself that was initiated, made me to be ready in in in, in the relationship I'm with you right now was my search for God of really surrendering to the divine. You know, of all that entails, and it's not an easy process because whatever when you surrender brings up everything you avoid that's in the way of that surrender, so to speak. Right? Yeah. So. Um, and I also wanted to note, like, the irony of a conscious relationship, it brings up all the unconscious stuff in a conscious The only difference in a conscious relationship, if both partners are compatible and aware and work with that, with that foundation and commitment for growth, you can use it as a catalyst. It's an alchemical uh, sacred container that can, you know, transmute all the shadow into light. Mm -hmm. But the unconscious stuff will come up in a conscious relationship. Yeah. That's the irony in it all. Yeah. So usually right in the beginning. <laughs> that's exactly, especially at the beginning. Um, yeah. yeah. So. So what? Wanna... Yeah. So what are we talking in the second hour? Yeah. So. Um, so we're gonna go deeper into this choosing a partner who you align with on all levels. What does that mean, and how do you even do that? And really, I'd like to share our own past before we met. So this includes, like, you know, our past relationships and lessons and what we had to learn before we got together and. I, I mean, for me, I know it was like, I, even in early, I think in 2013, maybe it was even earlier that there's a point where I was like, I need to work on relationships. And it was years of working, like six years before we met. Or when did we meet? 2018? I forget. <laughs> anyway, it was years of working on myself and also getting involved with the wrong people before I was like, And then I gave up a relationship and then we met. So I want to go in deeper into that story. And also what we kind of touched on is like healing trauma and relationships because relationships for spiritual growth, it can be an amazing catalyst for healing trauma as well. And this is through uh, safe relationships, also embracing conflict in relationships. And a really big topic is how occult forces and interferences can come in these relationships that want to be born because these are also tests as well is test to the relationship and test to our own sincerity and anyone who's been listening to our podcast for anyone who's new you know these occult forces are exactly what tests the sincerity of the spiritual seeker as well exactly and i also want to, on that note i want to also address on the topic of occult forces Again, that's an, it's a whole, it ties into the topic of all, but there's a huge difference between occult for entity interferences and entity attachments. Yeah. And I can talk about this in the context of relationships as well. Yeah. And then the last point um, we can really talk about <clears throat> a little bit more, <clears throat> excuse me, 
is uh, relationships and service. So using your relationship and your partnership to be of better service to the world. So right. we hope you listen to the... <coughs> Excuse me. You're going to have to close this. I'm coughing. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, the second hour again for the members of the Piercing the Veil of Reality community. If you're not a member already, you can sign up at veilofreality.com. The membership gives you access to all the podcast second hours and also to the monthly Zoom group call we have with our community and obviously as well for the forum. And there's a lot of activity happening on the on the membership forum as well. So yes, you can sign up at veilofreality.com. See you on the second hour. <laughs>